This is Badass Women of History with Jillian and Kendra. For so long, women were silent. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. Hear me now. And welcome to Badass Women of History. I'm Jillian. I'm Kendra. And after the lightness and and joy of last week's episode, we thought we'd get a little serious and talk about piracy. Um, Today we'll be talking about the lioness of Brittany, Jean de Clisson. Kendra, when did you first hear about Madame de Clisson? I think it was when I was in my pirate phase when I was 11. I had gone through Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, and I remember one of my history teachers saying, Oh, do you know about Jean de Clisson? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, even before Anne Bonny, before Blackbeard, before all of these pirates was Jean de Clisson. And I'm like, cool, whatever. I'll go look her up. And she did not disappoint. Like she was more pirate than most pirates. She definitely does deserve the moniker of badass woman of history. Absolutely. I did not learn about her until later in my tenure of interest in piracy and and all of that stuff. I didn't learn about her until I was on the northwest coast of France in Saint-Malo, which if you have the means to get there, oh my God, please do go there. Um, It's amazing. You know, it's the Buccaneer City. It's the Pirate City. They embrace all these things that are super piracy and people just randomly sing old she chanties out in the middle of the street. Because it's yo-ho, but we don't say ho. I was asking a shopkeeper about who this woman was, and he was like, oh, that is the lioness of Brittany. That is Jean de Clisson, and went into this tirade, which, of course, then I went back to the Czech Republic, where I was living at the time, and had to do all of the research forever about this amazing, amazing woman. Jean de Clisson was born Jean-Louise de Belleville, Dame de Montaigu, in 1300 to a wealthy and influential family in the northwest part of France. And by all accounts, she had a pretty normal life for the first sort of half of her life like there were there were no sort of inclinations that she was eventually just going to lose her shit and you know become a pirate because you know that's not what nice noble girls do is they don't they don't become pirates when she was 12 uh, her parents married her off to um the 19 year old Geoffrey de Chantebras um and it was a pretty typical union at the time they had two kids they were married for 11 years and then he died in 1323. Her next marriage is either agreed upon and talked about as canon or is pretty much forgotten, but I think it's sort of important to mention because it kind of lays the groundwork for what happens next in her life. So the Duke of Brittany um, had a son named Guy, or Guy, depending on how pretentious you want to be at any given moment. I always want to be pretentious. His name is Guy. (laughs) He was the only son. And Jean-Louise de Belleville did not like him at all, but she married him anyway because she knew that she needed to protect her children. And the best way to do that in those days and that point in time was to marry a really, really powerful man. He had a cousin whose name was Charles de Blois. And 
that name is going to become very, very important in about three to five minutes. So just make sure. Probably that- maybe more because we talk a lot. So like, don't actually count. Yeah, no, minutes. that's true. Or you could, and then call us out in the comments. We love that. That's super fun. <laughs> Let us know how bad we are at it. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't send us into shame spirals at all. Not at all. Um, anyway, so the de Blois family um, decides to lodge a complaint about this marriage um, with the local bishops, talking about how Jean-Louise uh, is trying to steal all of the Duke's lands and prestige and all of this horse shit for herself and her children. And um, as a means to save their legacy, wants the the marriage annulled and successfully manages to do this. Um, And then hastily marries off Guy to um, Charles' daughter, Marie. The history at this point in time is a little complicated about who exactly is related to who, but he ends up marrying one of his cousins, called Marie de Blois. But he died not too long after that, leaving the Duke of Brittany without an heir. This also comes into play and will be very important shortly. So not too long after her third marriage was annulled, she married Olivier de Clisson. And what's weird about this marriage is it's a love match. They loved each other. Like they were really, really happy. There is um, one of their daughters is Isabeau. Um, is said to have been born out of wedlock five years before her first husband died. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. Scandalous. Lover. And uh, it was really successful. And between the two of them, because, you know, Sean is, you know, has a lot of money from her family. Olivier has a lot of money from his family, so they combined all of their lands and their wealth and become one of the most power, like, they become the power couple of Breton and Brittany and are super influential and really great. But then in 1431, the Duke of Brittany dies without leaving an heir. And basically, both France and England decide that Brittany belongs to them. It's important to note that for a lot of this period in time, um, more of France belonged to England than it belonged to France. It's really, really complicated. It's a little weird, um, but that has to do with Eleanor de Aquitaine and, and Henry II and, and Matilda and all of these other people, who I'm sure we'll get around to talking about at some point in time, but also look at the Hundred Years' War because it's really interesting because a bunch of France changes hands, especially Calais and, and Brittany changes hands a bunch of times and whether it's French or... and then. At one point in time, it just decides it's done and secedes from everything. It's it's a hoot. <laughs> it's so entertaining. <laughs> the number of times people are like, well, it's English. Oh, it's French. Nope, it's English. It's kind of like studying the Alsace-Lorraine ver- uh, history on, on the other side of the country. Is it German? Is it, is it, it's, yeah. Anyway, the Duke dies um, and both Philip VI of France puke and Edward III of England also puke, claim it is theirs. And Olivier de Clisson, pledges his loyalty to the King of France and fought incredibly valiantly. Like everybody talks about, like there are records of how like passionately and, and dedicatedly he fights for, for uh, Philip the sixth, but he gets captured. Yes, he does. And gets ransom off for a really, 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 really little bit of money. Um, tiny, teeny, tiny little bit of money and goes heads off. And then Charles de Blois, who we were talking about earlier, who is kind of a dick. He's the villain. In- Not even kind of. He's really, he's really a dick. He's the villain of this story. More so than Philip VI, but definitely, definitely 
Charles, we don't like him, Mm-mm. starts whispering in Philip's ear that Olivier is a traitor. And that's why he got off and is a double agent and has been spying on. And that's why the English are doing so well and all of this other stuff. So Philip VI calls uh, Olivier to Paris and proceeds to chop his head off and then displays it on a spike outside Castle Buffet. I think that's how you pronounce it. My French is a little rusty in in Brittany. Like it's not that far off. And so Jean de Clisson, uh, Jean, uh, his wife, who loves him, finds out about this, hears about it, and understandably loses her shit. Not just loses her shit. She takes her two young sons, Olivier and Guillaume, um, from Clisson to Nantes, where the head of her husband is, uh, the Sohotuk Gate, to see the see the head and swear retribution. To make sure that it's real. Make sure that it's real, and then swears retribution against the French king. And Charles de Blois. Because... Fuck that guy. Because she's like, you all are cowards and murderers, and you don't deserve anything. Because she is coming, and she's coming to kill you. That woman deserves her revenge. So what she does is she basically collects all of her worldly possessions, jewels, gowns, um, lands, titles, all the monies that she can possibly muster up, sells it all, and buys three great big warships. The head of which she decides, or the biggest of the three, which she decides that she is going to cap- captain, she decides to name it My Revenge. Or My Vengeance. I think it's, yeah, it's so good. I think it depends on who you're talking to and which translation you're going with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she becomes a pirate, but she's not in it for wealth and monies and, and anything like that. No, no. Her entire goal is basically to destroy Philip VI. And Charles de Blois. Like, that's just, that's her jam. Like, and she, like, goes to Edward III of England. She rose her and her children to England. She is so pissed. She's, like, the only one who survives. No, no, no. The, old, the oldest of the two boys survives. No, two of them survive. One of them dies on the way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. And she basically goes to Edward III and is just like, hey, so I need, I hear you need some help winning this war. So I... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to attack a bunch of their ships. I'm going to go to a bunch of their seaside fortresses and burn it to the ground and kill everybody in those fortresses, except for one person who will then like go and tell my tale. And I don't want anything. I'll give you all the money. I'll give you all the supplies. I'll give you all the anything. You just make sure that Philip the Sixth and Charlie Boy suffer. Like, that's all I want from you. And Edward goes, all right. Yeah, no, that sounds good. So for 13 years, this woman makes Philip VI and Charles de Blois' life a living hell. She doesn't even stop when Charles VI dies in like 1351. She's like, oh, he's dead? Yeah, no, I, I'm not. My, my, my need for vengeance isn't satiated yet. I have to take it out on his children. Like she was livid. Prepare every vessel that floats at dawn. We're at war. And so, we shall go to war. And the only thing that basically gets her to stop, she meets this British dude named Walter... uh, Bentley. Walter Bentley. Kind of digs him, kind of likes him and goes, 
yeah, okay, I think I'm done now. Like, she doesn't stop the way that pirates normally stop, where they're captured or they're killed or they die in battle or something like that. She just falls in love again and is just like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't need to do this anymore. And as a thank you, because Edward III has taken back Brittany at this point in time, Edward III goes, for all of your service and your years of hard work and your dedication to the cause, here's a bunch of land and a bunch of riches and a bunch of everything. Go forth and be happy with my friend um, Walter, who is good old Walt. (laughs) Oh, Walt. And so, you know, and she, so she stops in 15 or 1353 and dies in 15 or 1359. Um, yeah. And that's the story of Jean de Clisson. And my favorite part is she was like, she's that story that moms would frighten their children with. <laughs> Only it wasn't moms. It was literally nobody wanted to go to sea. No French person in their right mind wanted to go to sea to fight for France. They're like, oh, no, that lady's going to kill us. Yeah. We do not want to do this. Yeah, Phil, Phil, I'm all set. I'm all set, Phil. I really dig your cause. I super appreciate it. But, you know, I think that being under Edward III, who was not necessarily notorious for being a super nice king... He's Longshanks, yeah? Yeah. He's Hammer of the Scots? Is he a Hammer of the Scots? You know what? I'm bad with him. I don't remember what he does. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many Edwards and... I know. Edward III is... Or is he... He is... Oh, no. He was the one that was married to Philippa. He was Edward the Black Prince's. Um, No, he had Edward the Black Prince. That was his kid. The Black Prince was his. His boy... Which tells you something, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) he was sunshiny. He also, interestingly, his grandson, John of Gaunt, is uh, Margaret Beaufort's, because I can bring everything back to Margaret Beaufort. It's a God-given gift. Also, it's like, it's it's English monarchy. It always comes, you can bring it back to anybody who is a monarch at some point or another. Really, really can. Oh, he was, no, he was Isabella's um, son. Right. Okay. No, I'm all caught up. Oh, this is a rambly ass episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's better than last week's. (laughs) It's a little bit lighter. So, okay. So the interesting thing about Jean de Clisson is she definitely did have three big ass warships and she definitely did do a lot for the English cause in Brittany and all of that stuff. But we don't actually know how involved in the the actual slaughtering of innocent lives she was. I mean, we know that she at least helped plan them, but we don't know if she was there actually like beheading people like the French said that she was. But her name pops up in like peace treaties. And they're like, you will call her off, you know, both Edward the third. So if you don't mind, um, hey, so like for this peace treaty, the one thing we ask is that can you tell Jean to like maybe just, you know, we're cool. She's great. No more murder us. Thanks. And she's also running around with another potential female pirate at this point in time from Belgium, whose name is Jean de Montfort. Yes. So you've got these and they're pals and they're drinking buddies. And like, I love this idea that there are these two badass, like female pirates, privateers, whatever, like just hanging out in the 14th century in the English channel, just like making the French's lives difficult and just really fucking around with Philip the Sixth being like, this is what happens when you aren't nice to people, Philip. Women get shitty. So, Philip, you want to falsely accuse someone else <laughs> of treason? Go on. Go on. Fucking do it. 
I will end you <laughs> twice. And there's no evidence. There's like literally no evidence that um, Olivier, that specific husband, was actually a traitor. It was the the fact that he got captured, the fact that the um, ransom, um, the ransom wasn't very high. And because of that, Blois was like, oh, well, obviously, obviously, obviously it's because he's a traitor and not because it wasn't like he was a super important royal when it came to the entire like no they knew asking for a high ransom it wasn't going to happen you ask for a low ransom if you still want the money to fund your war but know that some people want this man back yeah you don't ask for like if we were going to ransom people off we were like okay we are going to ransom off some random guy you don't know but we're going to ransom him off for a billion dollars people are going to be like uh who is this but then you get someone like i don't know um Steve Martin. Let's say Steve Martin because everyone lives. No, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. People are going to try and ransom off Dolly Parton. They'll be like, how many billions of dollars? Do you need a trillion? We can do a trillion. Like, as long as you give us Dolly back. Nobody kidnap Dolly Parton or we will actually turn pirate and end you. Twice. That's right. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, he was an important mover and shaker in, in like, Britney and stuff like that. But, like, I mean, he wasn't... In Britney. Not in, like, all of Europe. In Britney. Or France. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong... Brittany is one of my happy places. I love it. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. The cider is great. The food is incredible. Um, the seafood is good. They make really good butter. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. How do you do? They make some really good butter. Mm. Anyway, I think that this also goes back to the whole thing when Jean de Clisson married Guida, whatever the hell, the Duke of Brittany's son. And I think that Charles was still a little, like... Salty? Annoyed. Yeah, he's salty about it. And so he's just like, oh, you know, I got what I wanted anyway, because, you know, Marie ended up married to Guy anyway, but because they didn't have any children, that's how this war ended up starting. He just decided that because, you know, this was Jean-Louise's husband, that he was going to just be a little bitch about it. And basically stir some shit and be that girl at the bar that's just like, mm, did you see the way that she was looking at your boyfriend mm, or whatever? Sake. And yeah, it was just. <sighs> <sighs> and because of the fact that at this point in time in history, no one thought that Jean would go full pirate because, you know, that just did not happen. There wasn't really a precedent set at that point. And like now. I still don't see, you know, if Harry, if Harry gets killed by another monarch, I don't see Megan going out on a ship and pirating, although I don't know that I'd put it past her. I, I think she'd be more likely than Kate. Very true. Yeah. No, I agree. Kate would just sort of stand in the background. And don't get me wrong, Kate's pretty amazing, but and she would throw some shade and shit would wither and wilt, but like she would not. I don't think she'd become a pirate. Yeah, she wouldn't become a pirate. Vengeance, vengeance would not be hers. No. Or at least not violently be hers. And I, I can't even say anything about the Dutch royal family because, you know, they're all girls. And so if Willem Alexander died, I don't think that Maxima would be like, I think she'd be sad. 
but I don't think that she would, you know. Although I don't know. I don't know. You never know. And that's the thing. Everyone processes grief differently. Absolutely. And becoming a pirate is fully valid. Except for, you know, the whole like destroying and and sacking of, you know, towns and and killing everybody. We really, really have to get again in another one of our episodes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Say murder is bad. We don't murder. That is true. We don't promote murder. We don't promote the sacking of towns and and the pillaging of of goods. Raising them to the ground is a no-no. I mean, if you, unless it depends though, like this is where it gets into that. She was raising down the systems that were in place that allowed her husband to be falsely murdered. And I feel like that's a really good parallel for the patriarchy. Oh, it's an absolutely great. Like, I mean, Jean de Clisson was legitimately one of the first sort of, you know, um, super angry feminists in, you know, it's like her and Matilda, like, let us burn this shit to the ground and like rebuild from the ashes. No, she doesn't let them rebuild. She's like, I will rebuild somewhere (laughs) else. And you, I'm going to salt the fucking earth. You do not get to rebuild. We get to rebuild. You have lost the privilege of rebuilding because you have built so poorly the first time. You know what you did. Now go on your time out. (laughs) (laughs) And I said what I said. (laughs) I said good day, sir. <laughs> Bonjour. I said good day. Je dis good day. Okay, that was two different languages at one time. Oh, brain. But I think that it's also really sort of interesting to look at the fact that because of the fact that we don't know for sure, I mean, we do know that she was involved, but we don't know how involved she was. It's another one of those moments where like a woman is being vilified and ter- and like turned into a, a sort of, mean a strong woman is being turned into a means of a terrifying object something used to scare people it's like how much of this is urban legend and how much of this is real because yeah she's definitely used to scare people and that is it's rare for like the women who are used to scare people you've got like la llorona you've got the hitchhiking girl ghost right like at least urban legend wise or mythology wise right you've got those but real women used as if you're not careful this woman is going to get you it's they're few and far between yeah and it's interesting to look at like when they are used it's generally the men in i mean well it's not generally it is the men in power it's the men in power who are you know using the status quo and using the social norms and and the accepted means of what is considered womanly behavior or feminine whatever and these women like jean de clisson who refused to fit into that mold for a very justifiable reason i mean Philip killed the man that she loved, her husband, the father of five of her children. But also the person, yeah, the person who was also her protection in the world. And so she's literally now, I mean, without protection. And the last time that she got married to be protected, you know, Philip the sixth's little buddy came and like whispered in a bunch of people's ear and got that protection removed from her. So she was just like, well, clearly I can't trust you, Charles. So I'm just going to have to burn a bunch of shit. Nor you. Phil. Yeah. Like Phil. Yeah. It's just. Uh, So clearly I have to go burn shit to the ground now. See what you made me do. Like this is one of the few times where see what you made me do is a legitimate and justifiable excuse for what came next. Because I feel like, first off, you took away her first protection, which was with Guy. Guy. 
Ki took away that first protection. She married again. Yes, it was for yes, it was for love. So like she sort of married up in like her estimation. She had what looked like a love match. They had a they had lots of kids. They seemed happy. You take that away too which then again takes away her protections. It's like, how many times are you going to corner this woman who seems to be able to like make alliances pretty easily? Like you take enough away from somebody and they don't have anything to lose. Like that's, that's how you get people doing violent things because what are you going to do? Take away their house? They don't have a fucking house. Take away their husband? Oh, you took that too. Just you push people far enough and sometimes they break. Violence is the answer. Maybe not vengeance, but like then you you can't be surprised that violence happens. Like you cannot be surprised. And, you know, also maybe you shouldn't do this during, I mean, well, you shouldn't do it. Like, let's just be honest. You really shouldn't do it. You shouldn't back people into corners. That's not a very nice thing to do. Um, but you also shouldn't really do it when, you know, you have a very powerful monarch that Edward III was, who has a son who became known as the Black Prince because of the fact that his dad literally pushed him from a very early age into understanding military warfare because of his own upbringing and was like, nope, nope, we're not going to have another one of my dads. We're definitely going to be able to keep shit together after I'm gone. Whose grandfather was known as the Hammer of the Scots. Like, I... You just, you know, you don't push her into a corner where she's going to go, I'm going to go make an alliance with that guy because I can trust that guy more than I can trust you. And you were supposedly my sovereign ruler and you were supposed to be the one who was like looking out for me and taking care of me and understanding me. Yeah, like that's just life choice. I really feel like in the grand scheme of who is a strategist and who is a tactician? Jean made better life choices. Yes, but Philip is all tactical, no strategy, right? Like he doesn't think two steps ahead of what he's doing. And nor does, like maybe Bois does, but he doesn't see far enough to see that things could go really poorly. But I don't think anyone expected a woman to be like, mm-mm, no. No, 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 I'm going to end you. But I still feel like you also don't put a tool into the hands of your enemy no matter what, right? You don't alienate your people, especially in a contested area, to the point where they're like, oh, oh, yeah, well, you know, he gonna like me. We're going to just stop fighting for you then, like, because that woman is one of us and that woman is considerably scarier than you are. Yes, you may have the rest of the French army behind you, but she has three big ass ships, is killing people and the British army behind her. And they scare me. (gasps) Read up on the Hundred Years War. It's fascinating. They made movies about, okay, I was mad about this in the shower today. So, (laughs) so everyone has to hear it and I'm sorry about it. They made a movie about Rob Roy. They made a movie, Braveheart, about that dude. William Wallace. Thank you, because I was going to say the wrong name again, because that's how I roll. But they've never made, like, pirate movies are big. We're big. Probably could be big again, because it comes in waves, much like pirates. (laughs) You serious? (laughs) How is there not a movie?
about Zhang. Well, okay, and not only that, but like, I mean, seriously, seriously, like in Pirates of the Caribbean, you have Elizabeth Swan, who, I mean, yeah, so she's not exactly like Jean de Clisson, but you know, she's another woman who was sort of like backed into a corner and becomes like a pirate. And who knows, maybe that's where they got the inspiration for Kira to be a badass or whatever. Listen! will still be looking here to us, to the Black Pearl to lead. And what will they see? Frightened bilge rats aboard a derelict ship? No. No, they will see free men and freedom! It would have been so nice if they had actually had Jean as one of the pirate kings, quote-unquote. Right! Oh. I mean, she's way too early, and yet, like... Here's the thing, is like, because, you know, Disney's super, super attention to detail and historical accuracy. I'm just saying is all fucking beauty <laughs> and the beast. Anywho. Oh, Pocahontas. Mulan. Yeah, no, shall we go on? The historical choices that Disney makes obviously are not great. And yes, I realize... They're interesting. They are interesting. interesting. But we've had this point. We've had a lot of places where we have done... There's been... Uh, what was that one? With a dude from Gladiator, and they're on a ship. At Master and Commander, was that it? Yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've made that thing. And I'm like, they've made modern boat movies. It's like, that would be so great. But no, 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 no. Dude's going and doing the same thing. It's cool. Having a woman do it is still sort of like... Taboo. They, yeah, they don't even mention like Anne Bonny and Mary Reed in Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Like... They were ostensibly contemporaries of these pirates because Blackbeard shows up. Obviously, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny are going to be there. Also, look at the fact that, you know, you've got the the Chinese pirate queen like happening right around the same time as this. And like, yeah. you know, you get the Chow Yun-Fat um, made up pirate king dude, but like they're not even going to go. Like, it's problematic as hell. I mean, and Jean herself is technically problematic as hell. Like, she uses vengeance. She doesn't use her words. She uses violence. And yet... But I also think at this point in time, like, I mean, she tried to use her words. She tried to use her words when she was, like, married to Guy. Mm-hmm. And then she married Olivier and she was like, cool, you know. I mean, and yeah, like, the likelihood that your husband's gonna die, especially a nobleman, well, especially anybody, especially any husband, is whatever, is gonna die in battle at this point time in history is pretty high but like hooray for the hundred years war the middle ages in general was a bit it's not fun it wasn't fun no no it was not a lot of fun right so like she tried the peaceful route she tried the route that that was given to her and laid out for her as a woman and charles de bois and philip the sixth kept fucking it up for her like i mean i'm not saying that I would necessarily take the road that Jean de Clisson took. Like, I wouldn't necessarily be like, I'm going to go and burn shit to the ground. But we absolutely know that I would go and burn shit to the ground. Like, come on. You'd go and burn shit to the ground. Absolutely. And bring makings for s'mores because, you know, it's just not a burning shit to the ground with revolution without s'mores. It just (laughs) really isn't. You got to keep your blood sugar up. You just got to keep your blood sugar up for that kind of thing. Dude, burning shit to the ground is hard work. (laughs) You need those carbs. You need those empty calories that give you that really great sugar high. Like, oof. Um, It's interesting to see how these men create 
these women and then like are completely unable or unwilling to look at their own actions to understand what happened what their places in that yeah totally and that's there's a lot of parallels now with the whole every dude's ex is crazy <sighs> not to mention that he had some hand in the behaviors in the relationship that may have exacerbated existing issues but also like usually you meet a girl i've heard a lot of men say this meet a girl she's amazing she's totally wonderful and then she's not the girl that i started dating and it's like Okay, what did you do? Because most women are sort of enculturated to be people pleasers. So she's trying to please you. So what did you do yeah. to do that? Like, look, you are experiencing the consequences of your actions right here. This is also not to say that, because uh, I know that in my younger days, I did not always handle breakups well. Like, I don't think that anybody did. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that there were yelling matches or or whatever. Like, I'm not, I didn't go like crazy or anything like that. But there is also the need to sometimes take responsibility for your actions and how you handle shit. Like, sometimes you need to learn how to handle shit better. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing is, Jean de Clisson had already tried to handle shit better. Yeah. Like, she had already tried the like societally oh you want me to have an annulment you want me to have an annulment because you don't want this okay fine i will go find another husband fine fine goes and finds another husband yeah. and dude is still hounding her and it's like what the what the heck and we see the same thing too with um edward the second and isabella you know who gets named the she-wolf of france queen of england like you know he doesn't seem to understand that by parading galveston around in front of the courts and then uh who was the second one the pierce galveston no it was pierce galveston and then there was the second anyway it doesn't matter like you know and basically just ignoring his wife and keep putting her in situations that leads for her to flee to france hook up with Mortimer and basically decide that she's going to take down the English throne and pass it to her son, Edward III. So it's sort of like Edward III is looking at this French woman who was continually getting fucked over by kings. Husbands are dying, you know, and he had problems with his mother and he should have had problems with his mother. Isabella was problematic. And here's the thing is like a lot of these women, they're problematic because humans are problematic. People are problematic. But I think that one of the things that sort of makes Edward interesting in this is the fact that he could almost sympathize with Sean. Like mm -hmm. that there are these men that, you know, she is trying to do the womanly thing. She's trying to do the thing that is accepted by society at that point in time. And they keep screwing with her. So she's at her wits end. And so he probably decides at this point in time that it's safer to work with her than to try and stop her. And plus it definitely does like fall back into his cause. Like it helps but him. But he's out also an opportunist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he's an opportunist. Yeah. He sees an opportunity and he's like, oh, oh, wow. She's going to be way more loyal to me than she's ever going to be to that man. She will never turn on me because her hate is too hot. Like I cannot look a gift pirate in the mouth. <laughs> Would you want to look a gift pirate in the mouth? Like they tend to drink a lot of rum and sometimes that has some regurgitative action. I doubt she was a rum. I doubt she was a rum drinker. I think it would have dulled her wits. I think like maybe some wine here or there, but I don't think she was a rum drinker that one. Okay, no, that's fair. Rum was later, I think though. R rum was definitely later, but like, you know, there there was some alcohol imbibement 
Um, plus mouths are kind of gross anyway. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, he was absolutely an opportunist. I'm not saying that he wasn't an opportunist. I'm just saying. But that- I also, I definitely think that he saw, like the opportunity he saw was not a normal opportunity of, oh yeah, come live here, marry my buddy, you know, Walt. It was like, oh, you have you have rage and you have money. I will help you get ships. Yes, yes. You want to paint the sails red? Sure, fine. Go right ahead. You want to make them suffer? <laughs> My dear, go right ahead. I have seen what this kind of white hot rage can do to other women. I've seen what it has done to other women. I saw what um my mom and mortimer did to my dad i saw what all of this i would much rather have you on my side than their side Mm -hmm. and this is an opportunity that i know that i am not going to get another one of like it's not like i tell you no now and you're going to come back in a few months and ask again you might crazily burn my palace to the ground so sure lady (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to make you mad. I know what I know what people making you mad does. So let's not. We're going to not do that. I've learned enough about mad women, angry women. I should say you just rode in the English Channel in the 14th century without life vests or food for five days to get here. Yeah, no, boo, you do you, you do you, boo. Live your best life. Go kill these people. Like just her being like pushed to the edge, becomes a pirate, ruins some people's shit by a lot. And then falls in love again. That's the part that's really, really neat. It's like, there's. it's not that there's no need for piracy. It's not that she has a change of heart. I mean, she does have a change of heart. She falls in love. But she falls in love not because she doesn't. She wants to stop being a pirate. She falls in love and is like, eh, I don't need this hobby anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't suit me. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't, it just, I don't need it now. Yeah. I mean, I think that it is that definitely that she did. And it was dispensers. It was the dispensers. I feel much better now. Okay. I mean, it definitely was that she fell in love with Walt. But I also think that because, you know, I, by this point in time, by the time that she meets Walt Bentley, um, you know, Philip VI has died. She's raining misery upon his children. You know, I think she just was like, enough is enough. I'm happy again. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need to do this anymore. Like, and, but it is, it is sort of wonderful to, you know, think about the, the healing powers of, of, of love and companionship. And, and this is not, I really honestly need to preface this next part of the conversation with, you cannot save people. You cannot Mm -mm. change people. They save themselves. Yeah. She saved herself. She could have not married Walt and continued to go on in piracy for another six years and all of that stuff. But I think piracy sort of did save her, too, in its own way, right? Like, Absolutely. There was no justice she could get for what happened to her, right? Like, there's, we're back to that thing, that justice thing, right? Like, if there is no justice, people are pushed to really weird places, After a certain point, I don't know that it was love that made her move on or that she finally felt like either she felt like she had gotten justice or she knew that she would never get justice because Philip had died. Right. And it lost its flavor. We don't know. Well, I think that she I think that, you know, because of the fact by this point in time, you know, Edward III definitely has control of Brittany. I mean, he you know, and it's sort of slipping into that point in time when um, the British had owned more of France than France did. Um, than the French did and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of like, you know, you're getting into that point in time in history and stuff. And, you know, Philip is dead by this point in time. And 
I mean, and again, this is all speculation. I think that she felt like she had potentially gotten justice and then like sort of did a little bit of extra fuck you to his kids. She's just like, I know that we really shouldn't visit the sins of the father upon the children. But, but I want to remind you what the consequences you of are de- dealing what with. the consequences of bad decisions look like. Just give you a little taste of what <laughs> bad know, decisions you know look we're, like. We're not gonna spare the rod with you kids. You know, it's not gonna be one of those spare the rod, spoil the kids. No, no. Truth be told, I mean the Hundred Years War went on for another hundred years. So it's not like they actually learned a lesson, but you know, there were no women more women pirates running around like burning all of the, you know, Brittany uh, fortresses to the ground. So that's good. I think it's definitely a combination of both. I think that she, you know, she sort of feels like she got justice. She, she sort of feels like, okay, after 13 years, you know, I was only married to, I think she and um, Olivier were only married for 11 years. So she's like, I will get two extra years of my life and retribution out of this and um, rain hellfire on you guys for two extra years, just because, you know, why not? And then she meets Walter and, I think that, you know, he's a knight, he's, he's a warrior. And so I think that feeling of, of protection comes back. And I think that that understanding of safety and also because of the fact that he wasn't French, he, he was British. Mm-hmm. He was a subject of Edward the third. Edward the third has proven it by this point in time that she can trust him, that he mm-hmm. has great respect and all of this stuff. So there's a, I, I mean, and that's and, always going to take, I mean, Building trust up after with new people after your trust has been completely crushed by someone else twice it takes yeah twice twice, twice. It takes a long time so like how yeah how much of that is her just wreaking revenge because that makes her feel better but also how much of that is trust building on the part of both her and Edward like. Is she going to turn again? Is she just going to give up? Like, what's going to happen? Nobody really. I don't know that anybody really knew. So, you know, for these 13 years that she's piracing, pirating, piracing, interesting. Mm. Pillaging. Pillaging, destroying everything um, for Edward. Like, it's a series of sort of trust building experiences and trust building for both of them. Like, you know, um, and, you know, he absolutely, even after she decides that she's done, like when she goes off and and marries marries Walter, you know he still continues to build on that trust by giving her so many lands and mm-hmm. you know because at that point in time and Kendra and I talked about this in the the Margaret Beaufort episode, um, you know land was power back then. Mm-hmm. You know landowners were the only people who got say in in laws and in um, banking and status, everything was one of the only ways to make money. It was, yeah. Like, you know, at least until the black death comes along, but we'll talk about that later um, in some other episode, probably most definitely. I don't know. Would we call the black death a sheik? (laughs) We said we could discover her as a badass woman of history. Well, I mean, technically, you know, when you look at good omens, death and pestilence, are women. Yeah. And it, it also depends on which language you're looking at, because I know that in the Slavic languages, death is feminine. So maybe, maybe we'll cover the red death at, or not the red death, but the black plague as a woman. We'll see. Well, but she also will definitely play a part in people like Isabella Desta. Oh um, yeah. The Demetici. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Lucrezia Borgia. Vittoria Colonna. All those people. We got a lot, we got a lot of Italian ladies that we can, we can, that'll help us with the black death. So hooray. 
Hooray. Yay. I'm excited all of a sudden about a plague. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Because we're not having to deal with it right now. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. Wait. Damn it. Anyway, um, and he he continues to build on this trust even after she has stopped being quote unquote useful for him to him in the latter part of her life like he allows her because you know you can't like when your patron is the king like walter bentley's was you cannot get married without royal dispensation dispensation. Mm -hmm. so he gives that to her and then he proceeds to give them lands and because she sold everything to go fight for him so he is continually building on that trust and rewarding the loyalty that she has shown but there is a part of me there is the cynical part of me which is very small stop stealing my gag i know i know which is weird because i'm the one who's cynical here i'm the one you're like (laughs) he there was trust and i'm like but also (laughs) like there is a certain point where you like you it is politic to make sure that you keep this woman from spilling because i'm sure she knew a lot of secrets like you do not want her to turn on you you already know that if she turns she fucking turns so you're like i am going to mollify the heck out of this woman because she now knows because she's been close to me she's close to people in my circle I'm going to make sure she's happy so that none of my secrets get out. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that there was also a huge deal of fear. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> one thing that we can say about this specific Plantagenet, I mean, and you see it in the way that that he plays out in the training of his son, Edward, to be um, king. I mean, yes, Edward was bloody and vengeful on the, the battlefield, but he also was training him to be a, a just and good ruler because that's you know he saw what happened when his father wasn't Mm -hmm. um you know like edward was not a stupid man like he was not a he was not a dumb human being and i kind of don't think i think he recognized that in sean because like there was definitely a meeting of the minds and i think that there was I, i i do imagine that there was a lot of mutual respect not purely just for her ability to to wage war and strategize and figure out how to get shit done But also, like, there's a cleverness of, you know, you sort of, you're sitting there and you're looking at the situation that she has at hand. And she's like, right, I can either sit here and try and find another French guy to marry that they're just going to fuck me over again. Mm -hmm. Or I can take this situation into my own hands and I can burn everything to the ground and help. You know, it's one of those, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And then they actually sort of become friends. Mm -hmm. Um. So I think that there was definitely a really insane sort of meeting of the minds and and mutual respect for one another there um, in a weird way. And I think that he was scared to death of her. And justly so. Like, she's proven that she is... I mean, she she was called the Lioness of Brittany for crying <laughs> out loud. Like, you don't get that name unless you're willing to rip somebody's throat out. And even if she was just the strategist, and this is the thing, because there's there are some schools of thought that say she didn't actually lift a finger. She only planned the raids. I'm like, do you know how hard it is? Like, if you have you ever project managed anything or worked on a group project? Like, <laughs> she was... A, Not everybody carries their weight. Right? She was a badass. <laughs> if she was... Even if she was just the one organizing them, like... 
That is badass alone. She's all right. So we're going to let go of the waterfall project management theory and we're going to go with agile scrum management. And we're just going to do these in like small two week variants. And we're just going to see what happens. Two, kids. Just two week sprints. We're going to do two week sprints. Each sprint is a raid. <laughs> and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how it went at the end of the thing. And then we're going to take our what went well, what didn't we're going to do a quick retro. And then we're going to go to the stakeholder who's Edward III <laughs> and we're going to see if he's happy with like what's going on in these sprints and then we're going to plan another one. That's how we're going to get this shit done. Our end goal, our vision, our North Star, if you will, is going to be <laughs> the abject fear of the French people and their rulers. And I'm like, that's a that's a really easy North Star to follow. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this will definitely do that. Destroying towns? Sure. Check. Destroying ships? Sure. Just leaving one person alive? Check. Totally. Yeah. That's going to work. And also remember that she has to do this at a point in time when women were definitely con considered inferior. They were considered dumber mm -hmm. or less less intellectually capable um they were considered if you look at the pure statistics of like women especially in like the nobility and everything like that that yeah, could yeah. read and everything and and had educations i mean they weren't educated in strategic they didn't waste it they didn't waste yeah. education on women. on women they did not quote unquote waste education on women mm. <laughs> um so i mean she's doing this at a point in time when she is literally considered a second or third class citizen. Like, you know, and she's somehow convincing not only the men under her command, but also the ruler of a nation. A king. A king. Like, <laughs> a king. who has a king. who has literally... Been trained in all this stuff. To trust her and to trust her vision. Like, could you imagine that pitch meeting? <laughs> like, I... So, Eddie, baby, I have an idea. <laughs> Walk with me, Eddie. Walk with me. All right, we're going to do a walking meeting. Um, So here's the thing. We're going to do a Sorkin walk and talk. I've been wronged. I've been wronged. I've been very wronged. And I want to wrong back. So here's my plan. My North Star is to strike fear in the hearts of French people and French rulers and the nobility and anyone who might want to fight you. All I need is a few ships, some men who are willing to listen to me. And um, I am going to start some shit. Yeah, that elevator pitch must have been amazing. I wonder if she had a vision board for it. Like, you know, that she was sitting on her ship. Like, <laughs> She's like, here's my mood board. And it's all fire. <laughs> fire and spikes and like one sad child, like sad clown. I'm a sad clown. Um, and then like sinking ships. She's like, yeah, no, this is, this is what I'm going for. Do you feel me? And Edward's like, ooh. I really like where this is going. <laughs> Can you work up like a two week sprint for me to like really see how you're going to like agile this into like creation and enable and deploy our vision? <laughs> oh God. Okay. Sorry. We need to, we need to, okay. We're going to pull it back. We're going to pull it back. Pull it we're back. Having a this is too much We're, we're having a marketing meeting ah! about like destroying 14th century Brittany. So uh, <laughs> the French are calling you... Uh, La Tigresse de Breton. Um, we like the lioness of Brittany. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. It's working for me. <laughs> it's w like lion, lioness. It, you know, it, it aligns very much with the plant. The English love lion. It, it aligns very heavily with the As, right heraldry. Aligns great with, you know, the Plantagenets and where they're going. Like it's a 
good co-marketing strategy, kids. It's a good marketing strategy. <laughs> Jesus. It's very on brand. So it on brand. It speaks to the point. It speaks to our so people and it speaks to their people. And it definitely tells two different stories. I think this is the direction we want to go. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So for anybody who was wondering at all what Kendra and I do in our day jobs, I think that y'all just figured out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so this is where I've been struggling. I've been struggling finding a good modern parallel. Lorena Bobbitt. And this is not a joke. Like you push somebody far enough, they... And it's not just her. There's a lot of women who they get pushed so far and then they either take revenge or murder or protect themselves. And then eventually they work through their shit. They find love again and things are great. But like finding something that's like a bigger modern parallel is harder. This one is really, really tricky, you know, um, because of the fact that, well, piracy a generally isn't, you know, happening a lot these days it is though it's happening tons it's like not this kind of piracy well no no this is it's not vengeance piracy this is definitely like traditional scary piracy scary pirate like not good not good piracy i love that there's good piracy and bad piracy and we're like yeah destroying the french is good piracy we don't actually believe that you guys we don't we don't want the french to be destroyed at all that seems like we're gonna that's a that's a slippery slope we just went down there to our french listeners désolé Vous êtes très bien et je adore vous. I can't speak French. I can only sing French and I'm not doing that. So, and I'd just sing you weird French madrigals and y'all would look at me like I've broken something. So the, yeah, the only other thing that I was thinking about is like looking at the modern LGBTQ, uh, Black Lives Matter, like these movements that are trying to burn down a, an oppressive system, the defund the police like that's the closest I get, but there's not a single person. There is a group of people. And while eventually she had her own crew and that was a small group of people doing the thing, it's still not a really good parallel because they're doing it because it's what they want is justice, actual justice. And it's not revenge. It's not bent on revenge. It's bent to like make everyone's lives better. So like with her, Yes, she's a badass, but she's a problematic badass because I can't see using her tactics except as a complete last resort. You know, I mean, and I've thought about, I've thought about, um, you know, certain members of Congress that are bent on or that, that are trying desperately to sort of burn down, and I'm using burn down as an metaphorically here like the the old guys the old crew systems within within congress and stuff like that but again it's they're not doing it for their own means they're doing it to make the world a better place and while yes like there was did she make the world a better place probably not because there was a hundred year war that happened after that that resulted in the deaths of very many people and led to you know jean Jean d'arc being burned at the stake like and that's the thing some badasses are awful people yeah. in their reach and like like they their reach is not what they do is not beneficial i think that we can look back at her and be like she could have gone away and and been a shrinking violet and not done this thing and instead she chose a different path and sometimes choosing a different path is good 
I'm not sure that it was in this no. in this point in time. I'm not sure that, and I don't like. And this is this is part of part of the problem is like the angry punk rocker that still lives inside of me who wants to burn everything to the ground and is just like ah like wants to really hold her up as like a, this emblem like this badass emblem of feminism. But at the same time, I can't justify it within myself because I don't think that she was doing it for the rights of women. I think that she was doing it because she was pissed as hell. If you talk to the different punks within me. Young punk me is like, you burn it down to burn it down because I was angry, right? Like I was so angry. Yeah. And I think what I see in her is that same slow burning rage that has the wrong outlet. And it wasn't until I got older and I was able to say, okay, I'm going to take this rage and this anger and I'm going to use it to benefit more people than just making myself feel good by making other people cry or feel bad or whatever. So like, I think in that I re I recognize, I recognize a younger, less aware version of myself in that. And that feeling of you take that power away, you want to burn things to the ground. Which is funny because she did not start being a pirate until she was 43. Like we need to, we we also need to, we also need to talk about that. Like, this was a woman in her forties who was just like, I have no other choices. I'm not a young angry punk rocker. I'm an old angry punk rocker. I am going to burn everything to the ground. Like, <laughs> but I also think that that's kind of interesting, and we could probably get into a whole other hour long discussion about the invisibility of women as they age and mm -hmm. especially at that point in time oh yeah especially then and like the sort of she is no longer this young beautiful girl who can command or get a decent marriage shit what am i gonna do piracy like i mean there are so many different ways that you can sort of look at this that mental jump is amazing though. Yeah, I mean it it again like lends itself to to considering a how outside of the box she's thinking and b how intelligent and how like creative she is. She's just like, you know, cuz she could have technically gone into a convent. I mean, lots of other women at this time did mm -hmm. it. She could have gone to England and said, "Hey, Eddie, I they've ruined my life. You have my fidelity. You have my fidelity forever. Like I will be faithful to you in the crown. Can you find me a husband? And I promise to live my life quietly or, you know, just put me under the protection. I could even be like a handmaid to whatever, right? Like there's so many other choices, but it wasn't there. You don't, I mean, we don't see her thought process. No. Like maybe she, she's like, oh no, I could never be a, uh, a lady in waiting because I, I can't wait. I'm way too impatient. I know myself well enough. I don't have patience for that. I've been a lady of my own household. I don't want someone, I don't want to be the lady of someone. Like, I don't want to be second to another lady in a household. I'm real bad at conventing. Like, we don't see her thought process, right? Like, so we don't know if she went through all of those. We just, it looks like murder. I murder with boat. <laughs> Give. <laughs> Right, like that. Yeah, it's not. It's not like she had some WordPress blog that she's sitting like busting out with every day, being like, "Oh." And today I realized that, like, I just couldn't. I want to have a blog where I'm Jean de Clisson writing hate poetry. <laughs> <laughs> 
I am so on board with this. Let us make this happen. Um, we'll just, we'll just, we'll have a badass women of history, like, um, hate live journal blog. Like, and it has to be on live journal because it can't be on anything else like it or blog or blogger. <gasps> Cause I need long form. I really need long form to get out all of this. Yes. So, but like, we'll just periodically find like the one person that like, you know, so for like, you know, for like, for, you know, Margaret Beaufort, it'd be like, right, I'm going to write hate poetry for Richard III. For Jean de Clisson, I'm going to write hate poetry to to probably Charles de, de Blois. De Blois. De Blois. Like, to Artem- Artemisia Genelleschi, it will just literally be every man in her life. She will just be like, I hate you all and just... Ugh. Getting back to Jean. Yes, that initial jump from like, I'm a lady who's been wronged, so I'm going to be a pirate. Like, Barring that, she was a successful pirate for 13 years. And that is a level, like no prior training. Yeah. She's just like, well, I'm going to be a pirate. And somebody took a chance and she turned out to be really fucking good at it. And that's impressive. Destructive impressive right and not only that she did not like and when we say she was a, like because there were other successful pirates that met horrible ends william teague being one of them or blackbird blackbeard jesus jillian blackbeard being one of them and stuff like that black bart all of these guys like typically no matter how successful a pirate you are your life ends with you dying in battle or somebody like capturing you and you spending the rest of your life in jail or you get sick or you get sick and you die and they shove you off a boat and whatever that is not what happened to this woman like this woman like she out pirated the best pirates with no training with no background and then was like eh, i'm gonna go get married and like be happy for a while peace I have my loot now. It is a husband. It is lands. It is money. This lovely bridal stuff that Edward gave me and Walt to go off and be happy together. Success! Like, this is where piracy shows. I'm like, hmm. So is it that they weren't successful because they didn't quit when they were ahead? Or were they not successful because they weren't doing it for revenge or were they not sex- successful because they weren't women <gasps> oh that is the that was the hot take i was trying real hard not to say out loud. <laughs> i have no problems being controversial in this moment <laughs> like i'm totally cool like was it just because they were greedy jerks or was it because they were missing that y chromosome we'll never know we'll never know we'll never know And, but I do love the idea that she, like, even like, again, even if she just organized all of these, they were successful. They continued to be successful. The loss of life on her group's end was smaller than the loss of life on the other end. So she was taking calculated risks, seeing a really incredible ROI, all things considered. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, it was a successful campaign, both marketing-wise and I see what wise. you did there. Yeah, her K- <laughs> her KPIs were on point. She was for real. She though. was getting those ROIs. She was getting her reviews were like exceeds expectations every single time. Yeah. Wow. My takeaway from this is I'm going to start being like Jean de Clisson in my career because I'm sure that will go over really well. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> so great minds. Hey. 
Little did you know that piracy and marketing have a uh, lot in common. Okay. Um, do you want to do the, do you, do you have a shout out for this week, Kendra? Yes, I do. Who's the badass woman in your life? Badass woman in my life this week is my friend, Michelle. Michelle, she is one of my very best friends and I have worked with her. She has actually been my boss. She's an amazing boss. Um, she is one of the most amazing strategists I have ever met. Um, and she, she works in HR and, um, she has a really huge focus on diversity, um, equity and inclusion. And she spends so much time and effort and energy to make sure that companies are doing the right thing for the right reasons. And I totally respect that. But in her private life, she is just as fierce at protecting and loving her friends. I've been having a really rough week and she knew that I was not eating much. And she sent her husband down with their Thanksgiving leftovers to make sure. Bless. <laughs> so, yeah, um, she is one of the most generous people that I know, but she is also fierce and so dedicated to being a better human and unlearning those things that we have been taught that further a unjust society. And so that is my badass woman of this week. Awesome sauce. My badass woman of this week is is my closest girlfriend from the Czech Republic. Her name is Mirka Miroslava. And we met in a bookstore and she is um, got a master's degree in gender studies and is constantly trying to reevaluate how women are perceived in a very complicated, very patriarchal society um and understand not just her role but also the role of women in general and experiencing new and different cultures to open up her mind she's lived in england with and was the nanny or au pair for an indian family that she still considers her own her she goes to japan to to study or to experience that and um is one of the funniest human beings I've ever met in my entire life. She sent me a meme because she knew that I also was having a rough week with Thanksgiving and everything like that. She sent me a meme about how to create a Gordon Ramsay insult for food. (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) You know, she's one of those friends that I don't talk to her all the time, but I know that no matter what happens, you know, um, and I was joking about how we're both really pale skinned. And so I was joking that we were pasty. She heard pastry. And so we became the pastry twins. <laughs> well, you are a snack. So Aww, not going to lie. She's not wrong. Um, so, yeah. Um, and she's just lovely and wonderful and cynical and amazing and very into understanding gender roles and how to break them down and how to reevaluate them and, and make society a better place that way. So that's that's my Mirka. So join us next week when we will be having yet another discussion that is um, considerably lighter than last week's discussion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. For real, though. This time we're going to be talking some fun stuff. But before we go, we should say, you know, if you find yourself (laughs) in times of trouble, what would Jean do? Oh, yeah. Jean would 
Yeah. I mean, and we're not necessarily saying that piracy is an option, but piracy is an option, kids. Piracy, burning it all down is an option. Like what that looks like. Yeah. Metaphorically burning it all down. But also if you are looking to make a life change, what would Sean do? Right? What is that thing that in your deepest heart of heart, you really, really want to do? What is stopping you from doing that thing? If it is the support of a king, we cannot help you. But if it is the support of other like-minded women, we will totally be there right by you in the trenches. Absolutely. But yeah, like I think burn it all down. Jean would definitely burn it all down. But also, could she be the patron saint of like late life career changes? I think that she could. But also, you know, because there is that whole thing in life that you know, older women don't get to fall in love. And she fell in love in her 50s. And at a point in time when that didn't happen. Yeah. Not that I'm inherently romantic, because I'm really not. But like, you know, I'm starting to think you're a bigger romantic than I am in this episode. (laughs) Shut your dirty face, Kendra. I'm being the cynic, and you're being the romantic. My, how the tables have turned. Oh, don't worry, we'll get back to normal probably in the next episode. Um, But I do think that it's important. And I think that it not only should she be like the changing a career, like late life career change, but also just not letting society's idea and standards define you as who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Like find out what works for you and do it with gusto and do it with passion. Oh yeah. And cannons. Oh yeah. Cause you know, there's and fire cause you know, fire. And so also at this point in time, I would like to ask that if you guys have any suggestions for badass women that you want to have shout outs to women in your life that are inspiring you, women who you look at and just think that they are the bee's knees and need a shout out on a podcast, email us, let us know. Email us and we will totally read them on air and share share the love of all of these wonderful humans out there yeah. because we only hear about the big names in history but the truth is is that there is a quieter history of badass women that nobody knows about and history is made by the small people anyway so have a good week and we will talk to you next time bye next time bye badass women of history Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen to podcasts.